Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. Before we get to our show, let's have a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people. So if you're a runner, a cyclist, a strength trainer, or an OCR athlete, like you probably are since you're listening to this podcast, and you don't have life insurance, I would hit up Health IQ because they offer discounts for being healthy. What you need to do is you need to head over to their website, healthiq.com slash SASP for Strength and Speed Podcast. Once you get over to their website, you're going to have to take a Health IQ quiz, and that's going to see if you qualify for lower rates on your life insurance. Plus, you can get additional savings by submitting actual data, so things like race results, Strava, RunKeeper, or any other application that you use to actually track your fitness. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. So if you're with another life insurance agency and you're not taking advantage of all the fitness work you're putting in on your spare time, then you need to switch companies right now. Car insurance companies give you lower rates for being a good driver. There's no reason that health insurance companies shouldn't give you a lower rate for being a healthier person by doing things like training, running, lifting weights, and participating in our favorite sport, OCR. You don't have to be an elite athlete to qualify. You just have to be the type of person who's putting in a little bit of time and effort to make yourself healthier. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that's you. So head on over to healthiq.com SASP and see if you qualify for lower rates today. Thanks for the information from Health IQ. Brenna will not be joining us. She was bombarding me with excuses uh, tonight as to why she can't make it. I think her dog was giving birth and then her... You know, uh, she had to take care of some stuff on the farm. I don't know what's going on. Bottom line, it's just me, except I have a special guest here. I have Kevin Riggi. Um, before I let Kevin say hi, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Uh, so kind of growing up, he's a three-sport varsity athlete, lacrosse, football, and wrestling. Played D3 lacrosse. Became a certified personal trainer in 2011. Started doing CrossFit uh, closer to 2013. So then got into OCR. Uh, you probably know his name from Tough Mudder X. So he came in third at the tough, the televised Tough Mudder X on CBX, CBS. Uh, he's also been involved in obstacle course racing since 2013. Uh, specializes in events similar to Tough Mudder X, so things like uh, civilian military combine, um, Spartan Stadium Series, stuff like that. So he's had some pretty good finishes over the year, including a fourth place at OCR World Championships 2014 in his age group, uh, which is 20 to 25 at the time. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Evan. Excited to be here. I skipped over a lot of stuff in your bio. You had a lot of, a lot of awesome stuff there, but it, it is uh, great to have you, and we've been trying to get you on for probably, I don't know, a couple of months now. So, I know. Sorry. Yeah, work's just been kind of crazy, and my schedule's I'm all over the place between work and CrossFit and coaching and all that. So, uh, excited to finally you know, catch up with you, and it's been, you know, I think you and I, well, we met way back at Worlds 2014, first OCR Worlds. That's correct. So I, I definitely need to give you a personal thank you. 
So back in 2014, I'm like, all right, I'm looking to have a competitive team. <laughs> and I like randomly post on the, the main group. Uh, Rusty Palmer ends up replying and is like, hey, I know this guy named Kevin. And I was like, oh, I never heard of him. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know anyone at the time because it's 2014. And he introduces me to you. You did super well at the original OCR World Championships. And then on top of that, when we became Facebook friends, I realized that people are actually Facebook friends with people they don't know. Because you <laughs> you were friends with like all these OCR people. And I was like, does he know every single one of these people? Because I was like social media, um, you know, like a social media introvert before that. So because of you, I was like, oh, you can just request any OCR people to be your friend. And uh, that's like cool. So now my Facebook's all public and stuff like that. So thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> but then a bigger thank you was, so, you know, fast forward a little bit. And I've barely put out any articles. And I'm like, here, here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this book on obstacle course race training. And Kevin was the one who introduced me to pretty much everyone in the back of the book, minus Hobie Call. I think so. Everyone, if you if you read Strength and Speed's Guide to Lead Obstacle Course Racing, Kevin was the you know the the touch point for all those people. And he's like he basically put in a good word for me, and they agreed to participate in the book because of him. So again, thank you so much. No problem. I, I was happy uh, I could help out there. Yeah. So what we want to talk about today is a lot of uh, TMX stuff. So. For those of you who were paying attention when TMX went off last year, it kind of sprang up last minute. You know, they, they said they're going to have an event. Basically, a month later, you know, they're filming and all these great athletes are competing. And most of the podium, I would say, people recognize, right? So, like, Hunter McIntyre, Ryan Atkins, Cassidy Watton, uh, Corinna Coffin. Like, I think we're all very, very familiar with those names. And then in third place was a guy named Kevin Riggie. And I was, like, so excited to see you up there. Um, I was just super excited because you're, you're, you're definitely a good, good OCR athlete and you're a good CrossFit guy, but like, I feel like that event was built for you. Thanks, Evan. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, kind of like you said, it was a really quick turnaround and props to Tough Mudder, man. They, uh, I mean, I've been part of a couple of those, you know, televised events now and a lot of them have been in the works a lot longer than I guess TMX was in the works or that we knew it was in the works and they pulled off a fantastic event. So uh, I just want to give a shout out to the entire Tough Mudder crew and team there for and CBS for pulling that off. It was great. Um, but yeah, I was made known of it through, I think actually um, Tim Sinette, uh Rose Wetzel's uh, husband, like pinged me on Facebook was like, hey, you should check this out. And I was like, oh, like I looked at it, read the description and there you had to apply for it. Right, and they asked for like your best obstacle course racing and stuff finishes, and I don't have any you know great OCR accolades to my name, so I've had podiums you know in Spartan and Battle Frog back in the day and stuff you know throughout, um, and uh, you know a top 100 finish in the CrossFit Open last year for my region, um, which I was proud of. But again, you know I'm not going to regionals as an individual, and I'm not a CrossFit Games athlete, so it's like I don't have any great accolades, so I just submitted and was actually shocked that I was even chosen to go into on the show. Awesome. So before we get, I want to dive deep into Tough Motor X this episode. Before we get into that, let's start off at the beginning. Like, how did you get into OCR? Um, so OCR kind of came the summer of, well, first ever OCR I ever did was 2011. I did a Tough Motor at Wintergreen in Virginia. A bunch of like my fraternity friends and 
my one good close friend from back home was like, hey, Kevin, we should go do this. Do this. It's like military stuff, running in mud. You get shocked. You know, there's an ice bath you jump in. Like, this is totally you because I was always kind of like the more fitness-minded guy. But about the time I was doing most of my training was more, you know, your bodybuilding kind of splits, you know, back day, back uh, chest day, arms and leg day, stuff like that. But um, I had stopped playing lacrosse at the time, so when I heard about that, I was like, oh, man, this seems really cool. I went and did my first Tough Mudder, had a blast, um, and then I was like, all right, I'll do one of these a year. That was kind of like my thing. Like, I just want to, like, stay in good enough shape that I can complete a 10-mile military-style course like that once a year, um, but didn't really have any goals. And then I found CrossFit in January of 2013, um, I actually learned CrossFit before that when I was at Christopher Newport playing lacrosse and our con- strength and conditioning coach was having us do CrossFit workouts. And at the time I thought it was really stupid. I was like, oh, seven minute workout. Like that's not enough. Like you got to go and do uh, another hour in the gym. Um, and so that was me more being very ignorant at the time, I'd say. And uh, quickly, you know, once I kind of reformatted my thinking in 2013 and that kind of happened after I saw the CrossFit games on ESPN, um, I, it was like a New Year's resolution. I was like, I'm going to, I got, I had this uh, men's fitness magazine and Rich Froning was on the cover and they had a week of Rich Froning's training in it. And I was at, in grad, or finishing up senior year of school at the time at Virginia Tech. And so we had a nice gym, nice facility, but like no bumper plates, no rings, no ropes to do rope climbs. So I did what I could, but I copied his training from that magazine um, starting in January 13 or 2013, as like a New Year's resolution, like all right, I'm gonna give CrossFit a try for 90 days, and then if I don't like it, I'll go back to my normal stuff. Well, within those first like 30 days, like just I noticed exponential gains in like just performance, um, both strength gymnastics wise and like metabolic conditioning, you know, running and stuff, just by following this week programming of Rich Froning that was in I think it was like Muscle and Fitness magazine on repeat every week I just do the same thing and try to add some weight to the barbell and try to do a couple extra reps on Cindy um, and stuff and that kind of led me into 2014 um, just really focusing on CrossFit and doing a couple competitions that led me and my ex-girlfriend at the time into obstacle course racing um, it just seemed like a natural like crossover and the sport really took off for her and so through her doing it, I was kind of around it more. And so I started dabbling in, in it as well and noticed that I was doing kind of decent, like nowhere near the success that she was having. But, um, you know, top 20 finishes, top 15, top 10 finishes in a lot of the races. So then I started, you know, mixing up my training where it's a mix of CrossFit and then a mix of like running and more OCR style training, I would say. I'm going inter- um, to interrupt real quick. It, yeah. Let uh, the audience know who your ex-girlfriend is. Oh, well, it's Corinna Coffin. Um and so, yeah, so, like, summer of 2014, it kind of, the sport just exploded for her, and, you know, she did, like, th- I think three sparring races, and then, like, one battle frog, and, like, a mud guts and glory, so, like, maybe a total of five races in the course of, like, six weeks, and then trained for another, like, three to week, three weeks back at school, and went up to Vermont and took second in the Worlds at Spartan Race World Championships that, sh- that year, so, like, out of nowhere, right? Um, and so, this just exploded onto the scene for her and through her doing it, it kind of just dragged me into it. Um, now she has a much more robust endurance background, uh, running since she was very little. She, she was cross country, like all state in high school. Um, my background's a lot different where I played team sports my whole life. Never really did an individual sport except wrestling for one season. 
Um, but I was always more team sport focused, played lacrosse in college. So kind of going out in this OCR world where it was just like, it's just you, right? There's no teamwork really. Um, you know, there are team events, but for the most part, it's just you and learning to kind of do that. That was a whole different mindset to get into. But, um, yeah, so she dragged me into it and just kind of been involved with it, you know, ever since. It's been kind of a an up and down year uh, or years, I'd say, where part of the year my focus has been like, you know, okay, I'm going to train for OCR. And then the other part of the year is like, okay, we're going to train for the CrossFit Open. So we like spike our training for like OCR with heavier running. And then when it was CrossFit season, it was kind of like, okay, go work on the Olympic lifting and all the gymnastics movements and all that stuff. But Overall, I'd say it's been it was perfect training for when TMX came out because we had the fitness aspects of what TMX required, you know, cleans with a sandbag, shoulder to the overhead, uh, the kipping pull-ups and all of that stuff. But then we had the running and metabolic endurance from OCR training and, like, the grip strength and knowing how to maneuver obstacles and all of that. Um, so it was kind of like a perfect combination of the two, whereas, at least for me, my training has always lend it to be like I'm good I'm fit right I can go out and I'll finish a lot of this a lot of the races like you know um or pretty much all the races and finish decent you know top 20 top 30 and a lot of them but I'm not up there with the top guys in the sport um not even close same thing on the CrossFit side um finished CrossFit Open top 1% in the world which is great but there's 300,000 people in the world so top 1% you know there's thousands of people still that are better um and you're so far from the top echelon of people you know Rich Froning and Matt Frazier that you're good in both, but you're not great in either. Um, and I think tough TMX, when that was announced, it was kind of a great mesh of the two sports um, and really a different type of athlete, something I like to call like a hybrid athlete. Um, you're strong and you're fast, and you can maneuver over obstacles and all that, but you're not a specialist in any one thing. Yeah, that was that was great. And I expected you to do well. I did not expect you to do as well as you did. Um, so that was, again, super exciting to see how well you actually did at Tough Motor X. And it sounds like your training in the past has been f- fairly periodized. So, you know, focusing on strength for a while and then focusing more on cardio. So moving forward, what's your training plan going to look like? You know, are you, are you are you going all in on Tough Motor X in 2018? Or are you still doing a lot of CrossFit? Or what's the deal? Yeah, um, it's a good question. Um, to be honest, I haven't really given it a lot of thought. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in this sport, um, that do it professionally. Right. And I'm not one of them. Uh, part of me wishes I could, but then the other part of me, you know, um, kind of wishes I, I mean, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I work a full-time job. I'm in the office about maybe 45 to 55 hours a week, depending on the week. Um, I mentioned to you right before you got on, I'm going on a two week trip to Asia. Um, not for personal, uh, but for business travel, um, that's at the end of April leading up to mid-May, and I have no idea if I'm, how I'm going to be able to train, you know, I, what the hotel gyms are going to look like over there or anything like that, food. Um, so right now I'm just kind of in a phase, you know, I'm 27, focused on kind of building my career. Um, I'm still training hard, so CrossFit Open starts this week. Uh, we'll, so we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, personal goal is to finish top 100, and then the, once the Open is over, We'll see, you know, if we can send a team to regionals or not. Um, if we do, that'll be the focus. If not, um, maybe I will shift my uh, training a little bit more to TMX. Um, haven't really given it up that much thought. I know, I think it is in Virginia this year, actually, the championship event, uh, which is kind of nice. It's more local for me. Um, 
But, you know, honestly, Evan, I haven't given it a lot of thought. Um, I'll probably still do it. But I think, you know, last year going into it, I wasn't training for it at all and just went in and CrossFit training prepped me really well for it. And so I think I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. If, you know, after the CrossFit Open hashes out and there's no next step for that for our team here at CrossFit Reston, um, maybe I will kind of, you know, do more TMX training that involves, you know, sprint running going into uh, 15 reps of something followed by some grip intensive uh, movement, um, hanging from bars, rings, etc. Um, but I honestly, I don't know yet. Okay. Well, I hope you put some more thought into it, and I I do hope you do well at CrossFit, but at the same time, I want to see you back out on the T- TMX course. So um, may you have good success in CrossFit, but not too much, and then you can, you can you. switch over to TMX and crush it over there. Now, I know this year they changed the format a little. Um, you know, they're doing, like, regionals in order to qualify for the finals. So have you, have you even yep. looked at where the other uh, regionals are in order to make it to the finals? Yeah, I, I think there's one down in um... – and, it, and I was reading on the site, I think I might possibly get an, I know, don't quote me on this, but I might get an invite back without going to one of the regional events because of the podium last year. Makes sense. Um, but I think what it's Sacramento's one in California and the other one's in Miami. So I'm debating on whether I want to get onto the Miami one. It's like, I think it's like right, almost right after the open finishes. Um, so it's just going to be very just heavy CrossFit training going into it. Um, but if my schedule, my work schedule allows me to travel, I might try to pop down for the Miami one. I think it's like early April. Gotcha. So, you know, outside, obviously, on the, we already talked about it a little bit, but you, obviously you're a big fan of CrossFit. So, um, so outside of Tough Mudder X, uh, what do you think of CrossFit for pre- preparing people for just regular OCR, not necessarily Tough Mudder X? Um, you know, it's, I think, at least for me, you know, and I'll just talk about Tough Mudder X really quick. Like when I went into that last year, went in, I kind of knew, like, how the breakdown was. I was like, all right, I just want to make top 10. Like, I'm going coming out here. I was really lucky because I think in my my first heat, like, we did heats, right? I was with Hunter. And I was like, oh, this is awesome, right? I'm, I'm going to run with Hunter in the first heat. Um, he, you know, everyone I think knew Hunter was the one to beat or was, like, the favorite, right? Um, and so I think we were heat three or four, I forget, couple heats went before us and so I was like all right if I'm within like a minute or two of Hunter like I'm gonna be solid like to make the qualifying for the top 10 um and that's exactly what I did I got second in that heat um and it was just like a really good you know benchmark going into the finals but my whole thing was back to your original question it's like what's your goal right is your goal to come out and you know, try to make a podium in every sparring race that you enter, Savage, um, OCR World Championships, any of that. I would say CrossFit probably isn't the best base or foundation for you um, for obstacle course racing then. Or is your goal to come out and be able to, you know, finish the races, go burpee free, you know, be in good enough shape to do so, um, look good when doing it, and then be able to go and, you know, move some weight in the gym and just be functionally fit, then I would say, yeah, CrossFit's a great foundation. Um, it's just kind of, you know, understanding what your goal is. Like, when I went to TMX, my goal was to be top 10. It just happened that, you know, the way that everything worked out, I was able to finish third. Um, but I would have been really happy just making the finals top 10 and walking away there with all those great athletes. Um, so I think it's just evaluating what your goal is. Um, if you look at all the top OCR um, athletes in the sport, 
especially now. Um, that probably wasn't true maybe three years ago, definitely not five years ago. Um, they all have endurance backgrounds, um, whether it's running or cycling, I would say, for the most part. Um, people like Ryan Atkins was like he was doing 24-hour enduro mountain bike races before sparring race, right? The guy was used to going 24 hours straight um, on grueling, taxing events. Um, his wife, Lindsay, you know, was an all-star cross-country athlete, mountain biker herself, and cross-country, like, great cross-country skier. Her sister, Lindsay Webster's sister, is, like, national-level, like, cross-country skier. Um, Marco Bedard and, like, Claude Gabu, both in your book, um, both phenomenal biathletes, right, and another endurance sport. Um, and Hobie Call, like, we can go down the list, Robert Killian, Ryan Kent, you know, all of them come from endurance backgrounds, and um, a lot of the new females on the scene, uh, like face standing and stuff, they have cross-country running endurance backgrounds. If you want to excel in the sport of OCR and you want to toe the line with those guys, um, I would say that you, you should start running, and if you're a kid and you're younger or you're a parent, get your kids involved in cross-country and the endurance sports um, to really prep them for it. But if you're someone more like myself, that you want to go out and have fun and be semi-competitive in your age group and be able to go, you know, do an OCR one day and then go into a CrossFit competition or a weightlifting competition and jump into a triathlon and go do, like, other stuff, um, I would say, you know, CrossFit could be a great base. It, the training varies so much with CrossFit that it's allowed me personally to go jump into all different types of sports and do well. I'm not going to excel in anyone, but I have fun. And um, there's very few things I come across that I can't do, right? I can't run with Ryan Atkins for an entire race, but I can get through all the obstacles, right? Um, so I think it's just evaluating what your goals are. Yeah, that was a great answer. I know in some of the emails we had going back and forth, you were talking about you know internal pressure and the pressure to perform. Um, you want to share some of your insights on that before we move forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, there is pressure definitely to perform. Um, I like, I'm someone who's I'm a very driven person, and I put pressure on myself. Um, you know, a lot of people like probably like you said had no expectation. I was a nobody at TMX. Um, and I, you know, when I was standing there, I'm looking at all these guys, like Sam Dancer, CrossFit Games athlete. The guy deadlifts over 600 pounds. He's a stud, right? But then I'm looking at the style of event, and I'm like, I should beat him in this. Like, this is something that's more wheelhouse for me, and I should beat him. Um, and I should be close to Hunter um, or semi-close to Hunter. And so, but I was probably the only one out there thinking that. Um, everyone else, you know, was probably pegging other people to do very, very well, um, and a lot of people did. Um, but that's just internal pressure that I put on myself to perform. Um, but then again, you know, it's kind of like keeping it all within reason because I'm not a professional athlete. I don't get to sleep 8 to 10 hours a day, you know, train in the middle of the day. My training is at 6 a.m. in the morning, you know, done by 8 a.m. And then if I get another session and it's super late at night, past 7 o'clock at night, and so – just knowing, like I said, my goal was top 10, and I would have been happy with top 10. But um, even when I go out, you know, like OCR Worlds or anything, I, it's more of like I put a time on a race. Like, I'm like, if I finish this course in this time, um, I'll be happy. And so I think setting uh, personal goals like that and not really trying to peg yourself against another athlete because all the athletes are different. Um, you know, everyone has a different lifestyle and different um, – 
they're just different, right? And so I think when you set personal goals um, and ballparking, like, all right, I want to average 730 splits on this course or 630 splits on this course, and you go back and you review, you know, on your watch or your um, whatever you're wearing, the track you're running um, afterwards, and if you were able to do that, that should be a pat on the back, right, um, that you hit your goal. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of just how I operate, and I encourage others to do so like that as well versus, you know, trying to peg yourself against others. It's more pegging yourself against your own expectations. I think that's good advice. You know, you can't control what other people are going to do on the course. So some other people may have a great day. Some people may have a bad day. But the only performance you really have any control over is yourself. So, you know, comparing yeah. yourself to previous versions of yourself is, you know, I think an absolute great way to set targets and goals for yourself moving forward. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, and that, that's so true. And, like, you know, like prime example, I forgot what year it was. I think it was Palmerton, the Spartan race, 2016. And I remember I passed Glenn Rax. Is it Rax or Race? Um, Glenn um, on the double sandbag carry at that Spartan race. And anyone that knows Glenn, Glenn is like one of the best runners in the sport. Like he'd crush me in any running like event ever. Um, and I think I finished a couple spots ahead of him in that race, but that double sandbag here, and I, like, talking to him after the race, I remember he cramped up really bad, and, like, just, it was a horrible race for him, and it's like, you know, but I, he wasn't even on my radar, I wasn't, like, trying to beat Glenn in that race or anything, um, and then he came out and crushed Spartan Worlds, this, I think it was this past year or two years ago, um, did phenomenally well on a mound course with some really heavy carries, he just had a bad day that day, like you said, it's any given Sunday, someone can have a bad day, so you shouldn't be pegging it against other people, but pegging it against yourself. And if you just stay within yourself, right, we can only control what we do. We can only control our own thoughts and our own actions. Um, then that's the best you can, you know, ask of yourself and the best that you can do. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you'll be a more fulfilled person um, by achieving your own personal goals versus goals that others or are setting for you outside of your own, you know, capabilities or that you're setting against other people um, versus just setting against yourself. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I love that about OCR that, you know, there's just so many variables that people have bad days. I don't say all the time, but it happens, right? Like even oh, yeah. even some of the best people have bad days, which is why I think this sport's so interesting. So, All right, so uh, talking about regular, regular OCR, are we going to see you on the start line of any regular OCRs this year, not Tough Mudder X and not CrossFit? Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to probably get me do at least a couple. Um, I am, I think I'm already registered for the DC Spartan Sprint, um, in Nats Park and plan on doing that both in the elite heat and then running it again with a group of friends. So I run a CrossFit endurance class at my gym and I got so far, I think we have like almost 32 people signed up for it to come out and a lot of it, a lot of them, it'll be their first obstacle course race. A lot of them, it'll be their second, um, so which gym, I'll run which gym do you work out of? Uh, CrossFit Reston. Okay. Um, so I coach there, and uh, I've started a more of an endurance class that meets three times a week, and it's non barbell, and all of the classes usually are thirty plus minute like of continuous work. Um, so kind of getting you more into that. What you know how in running there's like LSD runs, long, slow distance runs. Um, kind of they're more of those grit style workouts that they're not. The intensity we tone back a little bit, but we pull out that duration because most of our class normal crossfit workouts 
on the long end, it would be 20 minutes. Um, but usually they're in that 8 to 12-minute range, higher intensity. So my classes are a little lower intensity, that 30 to 45-minute range, um, trying to drag out that timeline that people's heart rates are in that 60 to 75% effort range. Right. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing a Spartan Sprint in D.C. Um, I might jump in the Palmerton. Uh, it's just one of my favorite races. It's pretty local for me, and I have family up in the Pennsylvania area up there. Um, and then I know Bonefrog and Savage have a couple races coming in to the Virginia area, Virginia, D.C. area that I uh, also might do. Uh, I did a Bonefrog a couple years back and absolutely loved it. Same with Savage. So um wouldn't be surprised if I signed up last minute for one, one or both of those. Cool. So take us through a week in the life of Kevin, right? Like what is your, you know, day-to-day training slash rest, you know, period, periodization or uh, work training life balance look like? Yeah. Sure. Um, okay, let's start Monday morning. Alarm goes off at 5.35, roll out of bed, uh, jump into some sweatpants and stuff right now and a warm winter coat and drive on over to the CrossFit gym, um, CrossFit Wrestling. I live about two and a half miles from the gym, so that's kind of nice. Um, usually get there right around 6 or so, warm up for about maybe 15, 20 minutes, and then kind of get into it. So usually Mondays are as of late, have been a mostly snatch work to start off the day. So Olympic lifting, snatch skill work, followed by some complexes or working up to a heavy single. Um, and then Mondays have also been muscle-up work as of late, so a lot of just work on the, on the rings, whether it's uh, muscle-ups with heart rate raised or going for larger sets, followed by some metabolic uh, Metcon, you know, um, anywhere from probably 12 to 20-minute Metcon to close out the morning. Then I just kind of, from there, jump. If I have time, I can run back home really quick, shower, and head to work, which is also about a mile and a half, two miles from, the, from my house, or head right in the work, shower, work, and then I'm in work right around 9, nine o'clock and work a full day. Usually get out of work on a Monday closer to 7. Um, I front load my weeks, um, try to get a lot of stuff done at work, um, and usually I try to make it back. I usually get a lifetime fitness um, locally and go and hit some like some more strength work in the evening and that could be like weighted pull-ups, back squats, stuff like that. Um, usually no metabolic stuff in the evening. Um, it's more strength-based. Um, and that's a Monday. Tuesday is a mix of actual more running, so I'll have a running session in the evening on Tuesdays. Um, and in the morning, it's usually a mix of just two two Metcons, uh, so back-to-back Metcons, uh, CrossFit-style workouts, and then a running um, workout in the evening, and the running workout is usually I've been doing it on the treadmill now um, because the crossword programming I'm on, they call they want us doing it on the true form runner, uh, like kind of that curved treadmill. That's what CrossFit likes to use in I hate regionals. That thing. I fucking hate that. And at thing. the games, oh my god, like you want to talk about painful, like just pain. Uh, doing intervals on that thing is uh, real pain, but it, it helps you, I think, with your form a little bit. And um, but it's very painful. So that's I've been trying to get better on that. Um, and trying to learn to keep my heart rate down on that, um, moving into other move, uh, movements that are in CrossFit. So um, that's usually Tuesday nights. And then Wednesdays, um, it's usually in the morning, like Monday in the morning it snatches. Wednesdays is usually cleans. So clean or clean and jerk work in the morning, followed by a Metcon. Um, and then Wednesday night would be some more strength. Maybe it's another squat or a deadlift. Uh, so if I did back squats on Monday, typically a front squat on Wednesdays, um, maybe some deadlifts Wednesday if I'm not squatting. Um, it just kind of varies by the week, but some strength stuff in the evening. 
Thursdays is a complete rest day. Oh, I forgot to mention, so Tuesday is the reason it's only running in the evening. I run, and then I coach Tuesday night. So I coach from 8 to 9 o'clock on Tuesday night, so I get done coaching at 9. Um, and then same thing on Thursdays. Thursdays is a complete rest day, but I coach Thursday evenings, 8 to 9 o'clock. Um, so after a full work day, go coach from 8 to 9. Um, and then Friday, it's usually I try to squeeze everything in just Friday morning, so it's usually just um, some type of strength work, whether it's a deadlift or a squat or something, Friday morning. Uh, a Metcon with some accessory work. So accessory work could be like working on strict handstand push-ups, handstand walks, you know, core work, mobility, stuff like that um, for accessory stuff on Friday morning. And then Friday night I kind of like to have off, you know, go out with friends um, and just kind of enjoy myself. Um, for a, And then Saturday is usually like my biggest day of the week. Um, I'll usually do the class workout at our – it's nice to jump into a class workout with the entire, like, CrossFit community. So I usually do that on Saturdays, and it's usually a partner workout, which is always fun. Um, followed by I coach my class Friday morning then, and then I'm and then it's open gym at our gym uh, Friday late morning, the early afternoon. And I'm usually in there with, like, a group of people that I don't get to see um, during the week just because of our schedules. And we do a big group training session for about two hours um, that encompasses some strength. Um, maybe a partner Metcon and some other Met, maybe a, fo- a second Metcon followed by some accessory work. Um, and then we get brunch usually every Saturday afternoon together. And then Sunday is usually a complete off day. Um, I might go swim. Um, and by swim, I mean, I'll jump in the pool and swim until I hit a mile. Um, just nice and easy mix of free back and breaststroke, just to kind of like shake things out and maybe sit in the hot tub on a Sunday. Nice. Sounds like a busy schedule there. Between yeah, there's work. not a lot of free time, you know. Um, I wish I had more free time, but uh, we'll see after the uh, CrossFit Open's over. Um, I think I, I really do plan on turning things back and maybe uh, trying out some new sports here. Um, I've been talking with some people that are really big in the mountain biking and got into it a little bit when I was living in Colorado. Um, and so we, I actually have a, a mountain bike trail really close to me here that I'm going to try to get onto with these guys in the spring a little bit more after the CrossFit Opens is, is over. And one of my good friends, Mike, is um, getting into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And so kind of want to maybe go try my hand in that a little bit. Yeah, that's always fun to uh, wrestle around. That If you're not used to it, that'll spike your heart rate quicker than anything. Right? Because oh, like, you yeah. have no like, – I remember the first couple of times I, I did some combatives-type training, like my heart rate would just spike because you have no idea of like how hard to push yourself and kind of that – you know what energy level you should be exerting to try to get out of certain moves. It's, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely a workout. In addition to learning a cool skill. So. Oh yeah, totally. And like I, I love finding. And that's one cool thing. I just uh, shout out to CrossFit. It's like there's so many things in CrossFit that if you want to be good at CrossFit, you got to learn so many different movements that you, you're continuously finding something you suck at. And I love that, right? I love finding something I'm horrible at, which I would probably suck at BJJ right when I start. Um, and so, like, getting just, you know, your ass kicked and, um, you know, but then you, if you work at it, especially in those earlier phases, you see, like, such improvements so quickly. Um, and then once, you know, like in CrossFit or OCR, if you've been doing it for years, it's harder to see those bigger jumps, you know, um, in improvement. And that sometimes gets challenging. You feel like you're plateauing, and it's just kind of it's so much harder to cut that extra one minute off of a, a run or even 30 seconds, and you're kind of – get just 10 seconds better, um, where in the beginning you're improving by minutes, um, or in CrossFit your lifts are going up by 10, 20, 30 pounds over the course of a couple months, and now it's like, oh my god, just to add 5 pounds to a lift is like a huge win. Um, 
So starting from scratch and something new is always fun for me and always humbling too, right? You get to learn a new sport, new types of athletes, and the way of doing something completely new. Yeah. So since you're you've teach a lot of CrossFit classes, I know one of the common questions I get is, you know, how do I how do I get better at doing a muscle up? So what's <laughs> right? So like let, let's going for some from someone who let's assume the athlete we're talking about can't do any muscle ups. Right, like what's your teaching method to take them from zero to one? Zero to one. Are we talking muscle ups on the bar or muscle ups on the rings? Um I guess bar. Bar's easier, right? Okay. Yep. Well yeah, I mean if you ask different people, I personally think the bar is easier. Um but the muscle up was in T M X actually. Um or for the guys at least. They have, you know, on the uh the last wall you kinda had to do a muscle up to get over that wall. Um I would say, you know, you really have to work on the strict pull up. Um, if you can't do at least probably two strict chest-to-bar pulls where you're pulling, you're touching your sternum to that bar, um, it's a str- you, we're going to need to work on strength a little bit. Um, but but if you can do one, but I would probably say two of those in a row, you you have the strength. Then it's kind of working on the the kip, um, and so it's kind of unlocking the shoulders, getting a huge swing, and then in CrossFit like a lot of sports. Everything comes from the hips, right? The hips generate all that power. And so as you're pulling forward and your arms are fully extended and you're kind of throwing your hips to the bar, you want to think I'm throwing my hips to the bar, squeeze the glutes, and then big pull with the arms and you do a sit-up and you throw that chest on top of the bar. And if you can get your chest on top of the bar, then you can just kind of dip yourself up. Um, And I know I'm talking and it's a lot easier if you're actually showing it. But I would say work the strict pull-up and work on using your hips to generate the force to get yourself up there, there should be a moment if you're doing it really correctly that you almost feel weightless where you could kind of pull your hands off the bar and regrip the bar really quickly and still be able to do a muscle up um, because it's your hips generating the power to get you up and not so much your upper back or biceps. Good technique tips there. <laughs> Any specific exercises uh, people should be doing? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, any type of anything that help with pull ups, right? So. Dumbbell bent over rows. Um, I'm a big fan of doing, you know, just bent over um, with one dumbbell. So kind of it's a unilateral movement because it's going to really fry up your core as well. Um, so try not to rotate your hips and just rowing it almost like it's a hold. You're holding like a suitcase down at your side, rowing that right up into the chest is a great one. Um, and then banded pull-ups. And then you can even do work on using the bands. So you put your foot foot in the band, bands wrapped around the pull-up bar, and start doing banded strict pull-ups. And then if you want to try and not hit yourself in the face um, that I've been guilty of doing or trying to demo it to certain clients, um, have your foot in that band and actually work on the kip and doing a muscle-up, and you can do a banded muscle-up um, where the band is assisting you to get up. Um, but again, proceed with caution because that band might slip out from your foot and come wailing you in the face. Um but it's a good. Uh, that's a good one to do. Um, the kind of you know you kind of the band gives that assistance. But I would say strict pull-ups. If you don't have strict pull-ups, do strict banded pull-ups, um, as well as dumbbell rows or barbell rows. I'm a big fan of the single dumbbell row, um, not with yourself propped up on a bench, but kind of just hinged over, almost like you're setting up for a deadlift, um, and just doing it one one dumbbell at a time on each side. Right on. Big fan of those movements, also. Uh, let's see what else we got here. So any advice for those looking to run Tough Mudder X that maybe didn't get to run it last year? 
So probably mostly like OCR athletes transitioning yeah. into TMX. Um, for the OCR athletes, let's, well, I'll answer both. For the OCR athletes, um, I think if you notice, so Hunter is just an athlete, right? I mean, he's OCR. He also competed in the CrossFit Open last year and did very well in California. Um, so he is like a, a very true hybrid. Um, but then we had some other OCR athletes out there that got crushed by the sandbags. Um, in the CrossFit world, I think it was we had 95-pound sandbags for the guys, and they were like 60 or 65 for the women at TMX. And when we got there, we were told that they were going to be 130 or 135 or 125 for the guys and like 95 for the women, and they actually backed it down um, substantially. But um, for the OCR athletes, I would say get comfortable moving sandbags. Um and heavier weighted objects, much heavier than you're going to see in any probably OCR event. Um, you know, Spartan Race and some others, it's a 45 or 50-pound sandbag. Um, sometimes you get that double sandbag, but you put it on your shoulders and you're walking with it. Um, you're not moving it from the ground up to your shoulder, ground the shoulder to overhead repeatedly, um, and doing that repeatedly really spikes that heart rate. And I think that's where we saw a lot of the OCR athletes um, at the first TMX last year kind of fall apart. Um, was when we hit the sandbag clean um, in that in the race. Um, so I would say, you know, get comfortable coming into a movement like that with a heavier object for guys anywhere from 90 to 100 pounds, uh, women probably in the 50 to 70 pound range, and coming in, heart rate's elevated, and doing something with that sandbag for reps, for about 15 reps is what, what it was last year. Who knows what it will be this year, but, you know, whether it's cleans, um, or taking the sandbag from your shoulder overhead, maybe it's even throwing it over your shoulder this year. You know, they could throw all this different stuff at us. Uh, CrossFit has those sandbag D-balls, which we actually did have at TMX, but we just had to pick them up and set them on top of a log. This year, who knows, maybe they have you pick it up and throw it over your shoulder like they do in the CrossFit, uh, and like they did in the CrossFit Games and a lot of CrossFit workouts now. Um, so kind of a sandbag D-ball, whatever you want to call it, over the shoulder could be something that comes up this year. Um, and that was much heavier. I think that that D ball weighed 120 or something for the guys last year at TMX. So um, that's my advice um, for the OCR athletes. And then on the flip side, for more of the CrossFit athletes and maybe strength athletes, it's being able just to keep up on the running. Um, you probably weren't able to see it very well on the film, um, but like I kind of held or hung back until we hit the sandbag cleans. I think you know I came into the cleans in the in the finals. I don't know, fifth or sixth place and came out of the cleans in fourth right behind Isaiah um, and made up, you know, time there. So it's just, but again, my running, um, if I would have ran harder to be up front, you know, trying to keep up with Ryan or a hunter, um, I would have just redlined. And so every athlete's different. I knew I would be able to move through the cleans and the other sandbag work and like some of the other fitness obstacles, like the, pull-ups and stuff and keep my heart rate lower when maybe the OCR, more pure OCR athletes were going to spike their heart rates there. Um, so I just try to keep my heart rate consistent throughout the entire race, um, knowing kind of, I knowing, yes, I can run faster if I wanted to, especially it's only a mile course, right? Um, I can run up there, uh, you know, I have a five, about 520 is my mile PR. So I can run really fast, but then it's like, you don't want to run too fast and blow up on a movement, and then vice versa, 
run really fast and get to a movement and not be able to do it, and then you blow up on doing sandbag cleans, and then you're tanked the rest of the race. Um, so TMX was a really good example of, I think, being that hybrid athlete where in between obstacles you have to be running, um, but you don't necessarily have to be the fastest one on the course, right? Um, Hunter, I don't think, is the fastest one on that course from a running standpoint, and he probably and he also isn't probably the, the fastest when it comes to moving the sandbags. Um, he's also taller. He has a longer range of motion to go, so he's actually at a disadvantage there. But altogether, he was probably he's the best built athlete overall, um, and definitely was that day. So I think you know it's kind of that combination. So if you're the OCR athlete, work on the weights. If you're more the strength athlete, work on the running. And um, that's kind of my advice for that. Yeah, very good advice there. Uh, working on your weaknesses, absolutely. And then pacing yourself, also some great advice. I think you were right up next to Ryan up, up until the very end, were you not? Weren't you like yeah. at the last obstacle at the same time? We were, Yeah, so, well, he was ahead of me. And it, Isaiah, going back to like the sandbag, like I said, I came out at fourth, Isaiah was third, and then we went into the crawl and actually passed him on the crawl before the pull-ups. We hit the funky monkey, uh, like, one at the same time and he actually slipped off of it i didn't see him slip i just heard like a bunch of people yelling and when i looked back he wasn't there so i assumed he he had fallen and so in my head i'm thinking okay well kevin you're in third <laughs> don't f this up is what i'm thinking <laughs> um and i saw ryan so when i got to the wall ball station ryan was still doing wall balls so like i was like oh i'm right behind ryan atkins and i'm like maybe i can actually catch ryan here so he finished the wall balls, like he was finishing up as I got there, climbed over the wall, there was a farmer's carry, and then we did Kong, and, you know, I probably lost some time on that one because I didn't want to fail it, um, and I played it more safe, and I was shifting out my grip, where, you know, Atkins has, like, the grip of 10 men, the guy's grip is unbelievable, um, and he just blasted through that, and I took my time, kind of focusing, don't fail, um, and then we got through the, sand, the shoulder overhead, and then we hit that ramp wall. And there's a whole backstory to that ramp wall where people were testing that wall out. Um, they had the ropes down beforehand, and especially on the guy side. And no one was really making it up the wall. I think Hunter made it up, uh, Benny Gifford made it up, and Ryan made it up Like be- when we walked the course beforehand. I didn't attempt it because I didn't want to get negative thoughts in my head that I couldn't make it up that wall. And... But a bunch of people were trying. Um, I know Matt Kempson was trying. Alex Nickel or Nicholas, I think, not tried, and they were just falling, like just falling into the water. And I'm like, I don't want to have those negative thoughts in my head. Um, they eventually lowered the ropes for that ramp wall for the preliminary heats, and so most people were able to get over it. But then going into the finals, they left the women's where it was, but they hired, they raised the guys up again, um, and I, I think Ryan ended up failing it. Um, so when I hit the wall, I saw him climbing out of the water. I was like, this isn't what I should have been thinking, but in my head, I'm thinking, crap, Ryan failed this. That's not boding well for me because in practice, he ran up the wall and got over the wall without touching the rope, um, which like no one else was doing. And Ryan was able to get over the wall without using the rope. And here he is climbing out of the water because he failed it. And the rope is hanging. Um, I didn't see him fail. I just saw him coming out of the water. And I wasn't really thinking at the time. I was just kind of prepping myself to go. He, like, ran back. There was, like, a start line for, like, an obstacle like that where you had to, if you failed, you had to run back, cross the start, or, the like, the start line, and then retry. 
and like he retried, but he kind of just jumped. It was three attempts, and then you got to run around the obstacle. I didn't know what attempt he was on, but I guess that was his third, where he ran back to the start line. Ryan jumped, hit the wall, like just nonchalantly jumped in the water and hopped out, started running, and then it kind of clicked in my head, like, shit, that was his third attempt. He's going like around the obstacle now, so I just went. Somehow was able to make it. Um, I heard a lot of people, the majority of people, all failed it after me um, three times. And then, yeah, we were kind of almost head. I was behind him a little bit going into the last uh, obstacle. We did this D ball onto the stump and then into the muscle up. I just wasn't able to catch him. Uh, so I finished a couple seconds behind him there in the final. But um, it was fun to kind of have it come down to that. And that'll probably be the closest I'm ever to Ryan in a running race, to be honest with you. So um, it was a fun experience. Ryan's a good friend. So um, not disappointed at all to finish behind Ryan and especially Hunter there in the first. Yeah, so absolutely great story and good advice here coming from Kevin, considering how close he was uh, to almost coming in second. So, which is even more impressive, uh, especially considering the field you were up against. Um, I know you've been doing some behind the scenes work for OCR World Championships. Now, I know you were kind of working there this past year uh, when we saw each other in Canada. Yep. Um, you still doing some work for them through your company? Yeah, so I work for a marketing agency, and so we work with a lot of organizations um, nationally um, with a lot of, like, branded merchandise and stuff like that, and um, still working with Adrian, and, yeah, so hopefully we'll, we'll be doing more stuff with him, um, everything from, you know, apparel and stuff, maybe the medals and some other stuff for this year. Um, you know, Adrian's really kind of growing the organization, which is awesome to see, and uh, the great thing about the company I work for is that we do have that international presence, and so we're able to kind of, I think, support him as he grows internationally, especially to the U.K. this year. He does have the Enduro down in um, Australia, which we're going to help out with a little bit, um, and then also up in Vermont for the Noram Champs. Um, so, yeah, working still kind of not so much like behind the scenes, but as a partner, I would say, of Adventure LLC, the parent company that um, kind of – Hovers over all that, and then they, I know they just purchased a uh, a marathon up in New York as well. So hopefully, be collaborating and helping out on the marathon as well for Octo- in October. Cool. Any uh, teasers you can give us, or stuff that's awesome that's coming down the pipe? Ooh, teasers. Um, I'm no, sure. I mean, I'm sure most of it's uh, com- yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I can't say much. I, I do know um, there's going to be a really cool um, spectator friendly, I'd say, viewing point. In the, in, in the UK. I think that's going to be really cool and, and something a little different. So um, look forward to that. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. All right, before we get going, any uh, anything else you want to talk about before we take off? No, uh, really quick. What, what does your schedule look like for uh, the obstacle course racing? You know, And also, actually, maybe you talked about it on one of the first podcasts for Strength and Speed, but... Um, you know, I think TMX kind of gets back to your background a little bit, Evan. Um, you know, strength and speed and the name itself, you know, is you you got to be strong, but you can't sacrifice too much strength for speed, and then you can't sacrifice too much speed for strength. Um, and, you know, I'd like to hear your philosophy. And are you training for TMX? Because it seems like that would be something that you'd be – that's kind of in your wheelhouse as well. Yeah, no, I mean, so the more – after World's Toughest Mudder 2014 – I started just getting more and more into endurance OCR, so I have, I have tipped the balance heavily towards endurance OCR. So I've lost a lot of strength from 2014. 
I'm I cannot do anything near what I could do in 2014. If Tough Mudder would have been around, Tough Mudder X would have been around then, I would have been all about it. Um, based off my last couple years of training, and I also ripped my pec in uh, last February. So like I I bet when I bench 135, like it, you know I'm I don't even, like I'm I'm getting close to 10 reps, and that's about it. <laughs> I'm like oh yeah, that's uh that's about it. Luckily you don't have to do chest too many right. chest movements in uh, OCR. But yeah, my my strength has uh, I've tipped the balance heavily back towards endurance. Uh, so I'm not doing Tough Mudder X. I'm continuing to doing ultra OCR type stuff. Um, other than that, I got a lot of Conquer the Gauntlets coming up. Um, still trying to figure out my toughest. We were talking about this a little bit before the podcast started, but I might be missing Toughest Mudder South, and I might go to Toughest Mudder UK. I got a work trip to Germany. And I think I'm going to turn that into a work trip slash vacation slash race trip um, and do like <laughs> Germany, awesome. Germany vacation, go to UK race, and then probably like hit up Ireland or someplace else um, for a couple of days and then head home. Yeah. I mean, really quick, I like Tough Mudder, man. They've been doing a really good job, I think, of like almost shifting the, the company, right? Um, I know That's this is a little, bit, a little bit beyond the scenes too, but I went up. To close out 2017 twice to New York to go to meet with their boot camp um, people that are you know I don't know if you've heard but they're opening Tough Mudder boot camp which is like their um, their own gyms um, and so I actually went up and spoke with uh, Catherine Botel and David Spindler up there who are kind of heading that up for Tough Mudder um, Catherine came over from Flywheel and um, about possibly opening up a DC location, things just timing wise just don't work out for me right now to, you know, kind of run and open a gym on the side of my full time job and coaching and still trying to, you know, dabble and cross it in OCR. It's just too much at once. But um really looking forward to them kind of launching into that space and, you know, kind of competing with CrossFit gyms, Orange Theory Fitness, you know, all those boutique fitness studios on top of, you know, them really putting more fire and arrows behind TMX and kind of creating a competitive landscape within the Tough Mudder community now, which was never really there. Um, and you've been very involved with it, you know, except outside of world's toughest, right? It was always kind of, they always pride, pride themselves on these being events. Um, and it's a obstacle and a challenge, not a race. Um, but now they have the elite heats and they've kind of broken it out into, I think I saw an article. It was like three different, pillars like fittest fastest and something or something like that toughest. Uh, yeah toughest. it was fittest fastest and toughest i think it was um so very cool to kind of see almost like a rebranding of the company moving forward and get kind of meshing you know some different sports as well like kind of pulling in more of a fitness style aspect into their organization yeah absolutely they've done huge things in the last two years i mean it's it's impressive you know it was almost it was overwhelming last year. Like every, I felt like every couple of weeks they're like, "Here's a new series. Here's a new championship. Here's a new." And you're like, yeah. uh, you're like, I, I don't have any more room in my schedule. You've maxed it out." So uh. room and time, and you know, it's like we only have so much time to do these things. But um, it's really kind of cool, and it's great for the sport, right? I think it's uh, overall just great for the sport. I think it's also going to be really cool if they really hone in on T on the TMX side where. Um, you're going to get, I think, different athletes that, you know, aren't making, po like, maybe, like, even, like, myself, that aren't going to make the podiums in the uh, fastest and the toughest series. Like, uh, there's no way I'm going out and running 100 miles in World's Toughest Mudder. But, you know, on a short 
course that involves a lot of fitness elements. It's going to give different athletes, I think, an opportunity to kind of step up and shine. Um, I think that's going to be really cool to kind of grow the uh, grow the community and expand to different levels of athletes all throughout, and maybe even give people that are intimidated getting off the couch to go do a Tough Mudder or a Spartan or another OCR race that's five miles, ten miles. Oh, I can go do a one mile course. It's kind of like an extended Ninja Warrior, you know, esque. Um, thing that's open to the public to kind of sign up and go do maybe um, is pretty cool. So very excited to kind of see what Tough Mudder does this year. And then I think it's only going to be, um, you know, they're they're raising their standards. So I'm sure Spartan Race and the others are going to be, you know, coming up with new ideas to raise theirs as well. So it's it's very exciting for the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I think like we talked about, like you were talking about, you'll see a little more of a specialization on the top level, like the. You know the the one athlete standing on all three of those fittest, fastest, toughest podiums is is going to be less likely. Besides, obviously, someone like Ryan. But um, yeah, but 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 even like someone like Ryan, like if if I had a bet, I would say we probably might not see him back on the TMX podium um, with some new athletes. Like, and to be fully candid, like there's going to be athletes like myself that are just more on the hunter level that are going to come in. I think and really kind of. Will do really well in this TMX style course, um, so I would be shocked if we were seeing like Atkins back on that put. I think Hunter will be. I think that that is Hunter's like bread and butter right there. Um, but I think there's going to be some athletes that come in that weren't there last year that are going to you know push Hunter and um, push like Corinna and Cassidy over on the female side as well. Um, that could do really really well. Yeah, it should be exciting. I mean, like we talked about at the beginning, they they had such a short turn between you know announcement of event and oh, then event day yeah it was yeah it was crazy so now that they've they it's been shown on tv it's been shown on cbs you've now touched a lot more people and now that the events have been scheduled in advance people can tell where they're training appropriately to that and like like any sport the every year that goes by the competition gets a little bit better you're always you're always edging that top level up a little bit so yep yeah looking forward to it though it's gonna be fun to watch absolutely Cool. Any uh, final shout-outs to family, friends, sponsors, brands? No. Anything else you want? I don't to have any sponsors, so uh, no one to really shout out there. Just uh, my, you know, CrossFit community, uh, both from Colorado and back here in Virginia and DC, and the obstacle course racing community. All just, you know, it's, both of those I think are great communities. Uh, it's part of the reason why I still do these events and participate in CrossFit. It's the community, right? It's the people. So all my friends out there. Um, you know, thank you, and, uh, you know, kind of back to the TMX thing, it was kind of surreal for me, at least, to kind of go to events after TMX and have people come up to me and congratulate me on the performance and stuff, so um, that was really cool, and I appreciate that, and I want to thank all you guys that came up to me afterwards and congratulated me. It, d- it did mean a lot, um, or does mean a lot, so um, just that, and thanks to my family for, you know, just supporting me, and my CEO at my company for kind of giving me a little flexibility to kind of still go off on a whim and do some of this stuff. Awesome. And if you have been over to the Strength and Speed website recently, make sure you head over there. We recently added Bleg Mitts, so Deanna Bleg's uh, specialized glove for Ultra OCR. So it's basically like a mitten and allows you to take your hand out of the mitten very easily and do mm. obstacles. Nice. Um, that's now available on the website. Uh, my book is also available on the website. So if you want to hear about Kevin's training and his thoughts on fitness from a couple years ago before he was a Tough Mudder X podium finisher, you can go pick up a copy of my book off the website. And then plus we have all the usual stuff, apparel. And um, actually also just added Jason Rulo's uh, Neptune Heat, 
which is basically a water wicking shirt that has pouches for heat, uh, those chemical hand warmer, those heat things to keep you warm during toughest and uh, world's toughest mudder. So check that out. And then again, Kevin, thank you not only for coming on the podcast, but again, thanks for putting me in touch with all these people in the OCR industry. And um, yeah, thanks for being part of your original Team Strength and Speed 2014 (laughs) OCR World Championships. We didn't do so well at the team event. Our fourth teammate um, let me down, lost his band on the rigs. Um, Hey, it was a ton of fun. And Evan, I thank you so much for including me in that. And um, no worries. And I hope we, uh, I'm sure I'll see you at OCR World and stuff, but I hope we cross paths at some other events this year. Absolutely. It's been good talking to you, Kevin. You too, man. We'll talk soon. Later. Bye.